John Gill's Commentary on Matthew 25, starting at verse 33. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand. Brother Gill says that is the elect of God, and true believers such as have the grace of God truly implanted in them. The sheep the Father gave unto Christ, and made his care in charge, whom he, whom he, as the good shepherd, lay down his life for, and who know his voice in effectual calling and follow him in the way of his ordinances and appointments, and are comparable to sheep for their meekness and innocence, their simplicity and usefulness, and their harmless and inoffensive lives and conversation. These Christ will set on his right hand as a token of his affection for them, and a mark of respect and honor shown them, and as a pledge of that exaltation and glory, he will be about to raise them too. Scripture says, But the goats are on the left, that is, the foolish virgins, here they are, wicked and slothful servants, graceless professors, who, because of the impurity of their hearts, the filthiness of their lives, and their offensiveness to Christ, are compared to goats. These will be placed at his left hand in token of his disaffection for them, as a brand of disgrace upon them, and as an intimation of that dishonor and miserable condition they will quickly be in. These different situations plainly pre-signify how things will go with each. The one that will be acquitted and made happy, the other will be condemned and become miserable. Agreeable to which the Jews say, that there is a right hand and a left hand with the Lord. They that are on the right hand are such as have done well and are for absolution. But they that are on the left hand are criminals and are for condemnation. Well, hello, my listeners. I'm Neil Parks. Well, here we are, still plowing through Matthew 25 today and are touching on some ground that can cause some heart-searching moments. In Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46, we have here a description of the process of the last judgment in the great day. The former parables... The former parables with the ten virgins and the three servants represent the church and the hypocrites in it, as Jesus warns about judgment while speaking to his disciples in Matthew 24. 
Look what uh, verse 31 starts out. Jesus is the judge upon the judgment seat. When the Son of Man shall come, there is a judgment to come, in which every man shall be sentenced to a state of everlasting happiness or misery. In the world of recompense or retribution, based on according to what he or she did in this world of trial and probation, which is to be judged by the rule of the everlasting gospel. Now, he, King Jesus, will then sit upon the throne of his glory. He is now sitting with the Father upon his throne, and it is the throne of grace to which we may come boldly, the Bible says. It is a throne of government, the throne of his father David. Jesus is a priest upon that throne, but then he will sit upon the throne of glory, the throne of judgment. You see, everybody will come before Christ's tribunal. It doesn't matter what age group of the world, from the beginning to the end of time, every place on the planet Earth, even from the remote corners of the world, or the most obscure and distant from each other, every nation, and all those nations of men that are made of one blood, who dwell on the entire face of the Earth. The Bible says, it's appointed for man to die once and then judgment. Every person will be on time for that appointment. Nobody's going to miss this one. He shall separate them from one another. As the tares and the wheat are separated at the harvest, the good fish and the bad at the shore, the corn and the chaff, in the floor, wicked and godly here dwell together in the same kingdoms, cities, churches, families, and are not certainly distinguishable from one another. Such are the infirmities of saints, such the hypocrisies of sinners, and one event to both. But in that day, they will be separated and parted forever. This separation will be so exact that the most inconsiderable saints shall not be lost in the crowd of sinners, nor the most plausible sinner hid in the crown of saint, crowd of saints. But everyone shall go to his own place. This is compared to a shepherd's dividing between the sheep and the goats. It is taken from Ezekiel thirty-four seventeen. Seventeen says, And as for you, my flock, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I judge between one sheep and another between the rams and the male goats, between the righteous 
and the unrighteous. The godly are like sheep, innocent, mild, patient, and useful. The wicked are like goats, a vile kind of animal, unsavory and unruly. The sheep and the goats are here feeding all day in the same pasture. Get this, in the same pasture here on earth today, or you might say, every church meeting. So what about the great judgment? This term is one of the least topics, if not the least preached, taught, or commented on by leadership throughout the church body today. Why is this the case? Well, I suggest I, for one, feel that judgment is a scary consideration for most people. But I would also submit to you, and I have come to the conclusion that Scripture is very clear when it speaks about the Lord's bride, and and she will be without spot or wrinkle in Ephesians 5.27. 1 Timothy 6.14 says, Keep his commandments. Have a spotless, indisputable record until our Lord Jesus, the anointed, appears to set this world straight. Now, the only way, my friends, this can happen is to hunger and thirst for righteousness in him. Matthew 5 and 6 says, Blessed and fortunate and happy and spiritually prosperous. In that state in which the born-again child of God enjoys his favor and salvation are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, uprighteousness, and right standing with God. For they shall be completely satisfied. So, so what did the sheep do that the goats didn't? <laughs> then, in verse, in verse uh, 34, the king will say to those on his right, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. I don't know about you, folks, but the ten virgins and the three servant parables are all over this understanding. Years ago, my pastor of a church that I attended at, at that time coached me up a little bit with this understanding. The easiest ministry of all is when you see a need, meet it. I believe that's what the Lord is, is talking about in this parable 
between the sheeps and the goats. Now look at how Jesus explains to the sheep when they ask the question. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. Did you just get that? Everything that the bride does, we do it unto him, the groom. Key word here is then, then the righteous will answer him. As they answer him, they are really unaware of why they do what they do, because you see the righteous are led by their giftings with the Holy Spirit in control. They just do it. Everything the Holy Spirit does, he does it for King Jesus, period. We're talking about sheep here. Sheep are different, are a different animal. Listen to John ten four in the message commentary. I love this. Let me set this before you as plainly as I can. If a person climbs over or through the fence of a sheep pen, instead of going through the gate, you know he's up to no good. A sheep rustler. The shepherd walks right up to the gate. The gatekeeper opens the gate to him, and the sheep recognize his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he gets them out, all of them, he leads them, and they follow because they are familiar with his voice. They won't follow a stranger's voice, but will scatter because they aren't used used to the sound of it. How about Psalm 23, verse 1? The Lord is my shepherd, it says. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Well, Here's the question, and it's question time. What are your thoughts when you come up upon or hear about the hungry, the thirsty people, maybe a stranger or hopeless, homeless? Have you ever seen someone needing clothes? How about a sick person or maybe someone in jail or prison? Do you think it's their own fault by judging them? Or did God put them in your path as a test? We know what a goat would do, don't we? We know what goats do. They're hypocrites. Well, I think it was a good one today, and I hope to have you back next time here fill the lamp. We have listeners around the world now, Asia, Africa, Middle East, Europe, 
Australia, South America, Central America, and, of course, North America. Remember, comments are always welcome at fillthelamp at yahoo.com. Let me pray for you. Father God, I just uh, lift up all these listeners right now. We're talking about judgment, Lord, and it's, it's, not a, it's not an easy, digestible topic. But our God is just uh, a just God. He's faithful, he's true, and he's just. So I just lift up each and every listener around the world that's listening. I lift them all up to you, Lord, and I pray that this word that you speak would penetrate their hearts and that their hearts would be softened, that they would that they would get into the word deeply, that they would uh, just seek you with all the hunger and thirst of their hearts. Lord, just minister life to them. If there's anyone listening today that that doesn't know you, I pray right now would come to know you. I pray that they would understand that every breath they take is to be done to you. Every word they speak is to be done to you. Every thought that they think is to be done to you. That's why you continually tell us to pray without ceasing. Father, I just pray right now that they will pray. And I do all this in Jesus' precious name. Jesus' name, amen and amen. I'm Neil Parks.